0: So we're back, at season 2 of Cornelius Fears the Gospel, and actually we're going to be reading today Jesus Turning Water to Wine. So in John, we're going to be reading chapter 2, and uh, that'll, that'll pretty much cover it, so let's see. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they're just about out of wine. Jesus said, is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Six stoneware water pots were there, used by the Jews for ritual washings. Each had 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water and they filled them to the brim. Now fill your pitchers and take them to the host, Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become, he didn't know what had happened, just happened, but the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom, Everybody I know begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff, but you've saved the best till now. This act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the first sign of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his brother, his mother, and disciples, and stayed several days. So Jesus is at this wedding, and his mom sees that the uh, wine—they're—they're they're running out of wine. So for whatever reason, she, she has this son who is doing all this stuff. She knows Jesus as much as anyone. She says, "Hey, can, hey, son, can you uh, can you fix this?" And Jesus, like, Jesus, like, I mean a lot of us when your mom's or someone's a family member is asking us to perform some type of miracle we actually are a little hesitant he said mother is that any of our business yours or mine this isn't my time don't push me he's actually giving a little push back to his mom but without saying anything else he does it and so they run out of wine. Jesus says, hey, fill these pots to the brown. Boom, water to wine. Now the person, the bridegroom, drinks the wine and he goes, yo, this is some of the best stuff I've ever had. The reason I want to bring this up as the first story and like the task of discipleship is, you know, honoring your parents, honoring your family members, the people that you love in your life. Those are the ones that are easiest to to, to listen to, right? and spider-man the new spider-man movie that came out you know peter parker doesn't want to help the villains initially it's his aunt may that tells him hey can you help these people and he's like ma that's none of our business but he proceeds to like go into the he starts to do the work to to work with these people because he has that power he has the skill set to deal with this particular set of people so he does it Peter helped the villains in No Way Home in the same way that, you know, his his aunt asked him to do it. So Jesus turns this water into wine, but it has some big, it has some big consequences for Jesus because it's the first time that it's the first sign that he gave. So when people talk about signs, it's like this is his first home run. It's his first product. It's his first web app or whatever that takes off. It's his f- it's his first marketing campaign that actually gets traction. You know, it's his first sign that he delivers that people go, hey, this guy might be onto something. And, you know, from that point on, it says the disciples believed in him, et cetera, et cetera. But keep in mind, it started from him being pushed by his mother. His mother says, hey, if they're running out of wine, Jesus, can you do something? And Jesus says, woman, (laughs) he doesn't say woman, let me actually. He says, mother, is that any of our business, yours or mine? He says, you know, it's basically none of our business. But then and he says, don't push me, Ma. And then, you know, he gets up and he does it. And that's kind of what was the impetus, maybe. Who knows? Like, uh, I mean, we get a certain narrative in the gospel, but maybe that pushes him to go further out into the spotlight. He says it wasn't his time, but his mother knew it was his time. So just think about that. When you think about, like, being of service to people, think about being of service to the people that are close to you right so sometimes like the first the first step is just doing it it's just getting up and sometimes you need people to push you and there are people that are pushing you if you're listening the people that you are tired of listening to your family your brothers your friends they all, they all tell you the same sh- same stuff they say you should be doing this you need to give this up you need to let this go your ex-girlfriend let her go Your ex-boyfriend he's bad for you don't don't do that you 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 have people that are watching you a lot of people talk about they want therapists and they want they want therapists but it's like yo you, i mean you have family too you have friends too not all these people are are right but if they love you they're they're offering this information to you so it's just open it's just a matter of if you're willing to listen and receive and process that so in this particular case jesus mom is like hey there's something needs to be done can you do it i know you can do it he does it and that's actually the beginning and john that's the first sign it's in the second chapter it's actually a big thing that gets the story going and actually just thought of uh i want to build on this analogy with you know playing trumpet i started in the last entry so when i first got my trumpet my uh my dad asked me to play this miles davis solo and it's, it was called all blues it kind of went like this i hope i hope you can kind of hear that now but it kind of goes a little bit like that and i was dude i was like it's 12 years old my dad's like play along with it i couldn't play along with it so i started crying for a while, I was like, man, I suck. I hate, I hate this. I'm not good enough. My dad would yell at me to make me practice. He'd push me to practice it. Like, you know, can not play video games. Can't go outside and play basketball. Can't do this at six o'clock every day. You have to practice this trumpet. And so, you know, over time, like, it just became a habit. He forced it upon me, and it became a habit. I started practicing every day at one or six or whatnot and over time i started to be able to make a good sound now when i turned that first sound into wine turned that first like before you know my trumpet sounds like crap it's like it sounds real it sounds real bad it sounds like something's dying it sounded like it didn't sound good it sounded like uh can you please stop that like And that's how you know your family loves you because they'll listen to you go through all that crap. They'll listen to you play bad music if they think that you can get better at it. And if they believe that you can get better at it, they'll listen to you play all those bad notes. They'll listen to you like make all those mistakes and do all that dumb stuff. So anyway, over time, I actually started getting pretty good at this trumpet. And to the point where it became a big part of my identity like you can ask my little brother let me actually tone this down a little bit you can actually ask one of my little brothers like dude, i i carried it everywhere i i carried my trumpet everywhere with me all the way through college even at the university of pennsylvania i have my trumpet with me and the reason why i had my trumpet with me is because it kind of showed me that uh if you practice at something long enough if you practice at something hard enough if you keep doing it over and over to the point where like you know this is my passion this is my love this is the thing i care about it it dude you start to see results there's no other way to describe that like you start to i went from like not being a good trumpet player to being the lead trumpet player and not only was i the lead trumpet player i just got to tell you like I played this solo my eighth grade year, like in front of like a huge crowd of people. My at graduation, on graduation day, I played this solo. I had this suit that my dad picked up for me at the thrift store, and it was like my first suit for a long time. This navy blue suit. It's actually I think I've only had three suits in my life so far, maybe two. That one and this one I bought later, but on this day in that suit, you know i i i played this solo man i I got to carry this song in front of at least 300 or 400 people at our graduation and it started off with me like not believing that i could do it and my father knew when he put that song on that i wasn't gonna be able to do it in that moment but he was just fucking he was just pushing me to do it so people want to know like going back to that footprints poem Um, and the previous podcast is like, yeah, uh, when I couldn't go on, someone was there to carry me. So, you know, look around and be thankful for the people that are carrying you. Look around, like, you know, I didn't grow up my, my biological mother. I, I wasn't raised by, I didn't get to know her. And I think about that all the time, but you know what? I had my stepmother, my stepmother was there. She wasn't, she wasn't my actual mom, but you know She was good enough. My aunt wasn't my actual mom, but she was good enough. My father wasn't my actual mom, but he was good enough. Like He filled in that role as much as all these other people. And I'm thankful for all these people, you know, all these people pushing me. My aunt the other day was just calling me, talking about uh, you know, how I'm backsliding and all this and that. And uh, you know she's right, you know. I told her just like Jesus told his mom. I said, "Hey, you mind, mind your business, or something like that." It's like that's none of your business. Let me just do this over here. But she was right, just like my dad was right when he uh when he said, "Hey, man, just start playing this. Pick this trumpet up, go play it." Just like you know, the Ball brothers or whatever, Lonzo Ball and his father, like very very similar. It's like, hey, this isn't going to be easy but I'ma put this, I'ma put this pressure on you to be better. When we're following the gospel, like, that, the gospel is that pressure. You know, like, it's hard to, like, meet that standard. But, you know, I I wasn't a great, to me, I was all, listen, I was, not only was I lead trumpet player, I gotta confess, I was also all city jazz trumpet player. Like, I'ma put the CDs up. But, I wasn't Miles Davis. I always knew I wasn't Miles Davis. I had no desire to be Miles Davis. I wanted to be the best version of myself. That doesn't mean like I'm forsaking music or I'll never come back to music or that I won't reinvent myself in music at some point. I actually fully intend to. But I know I'm not Miles Davis. I don't want to live Miles Davis's path like we have our own unique paths in this world and we have our own unique purposes and it's our mission to dig into that and to find out how you can become the best version of yourself even if it isn't easy, even if it's hard to let go of certain things, it's hard to let go of certain habits but that's what it takes, practicing 16 hours a day you know, John Coltrane, I I guarantee you, if at some point in his life he thought i would be an even better saxophone player if i gave up heroin if i can not do this if i can avoid this i'll be an even better musician and obviously he's correct john coltrane could have started edm if he lived long enough he could have started rap music you know these are musical geniuses and musical prodigies he was at like the highest level so who knows what you know if you have a longer life how does he shape music in different ways or what more can he add like you have responsibility to um let go of certain things so that you can live longer so that you can be there for people you know so everyone's path everyone's plan like god has different plans for everyone Everyone has a unique mission, and you feel it in your heart. Like uh, you feel like happy feet, like that movie with the tap dancing penguin. You know, all the other penguins can like sing or whatever, but he can't really sing. All, <laughs> all, <laughs> all, <laughs> all Bumble can do is, t- is tap dance, but he tap dances like a mother scratcher. Like he can tap dance for real, and like he believes in tap dancing, and he's not afraid to show people he's a tap dancer. You know, it's like this cartoon I like to singer. About the moon and the June and the Springer, I like the singer. So he, this, this owl is born to a family where. You can look it up on YouTube. It's one of my favorite cartoons. He's born to a family where they all do these orderly things. But his path is a little different. Well. Walk your path for sure. But at the same time be ready to, to step up to the task of discipleship. Be ready to. Follow Christ, and if you do that if you follow Christ through your path, you follow Christ through the path that's been set out for you you you'll come up with something cool I think i'm pretty sure I mean a- again, when I was in law school, I started building a web app for the first time. I never saw myself as like a tech guy. I never saw myself as someone that could understand computer science or I never saw myself as someone that would have to but when i got to law school and i started looking around and and all the kids in the law school are conformists they all do the same things they write on their journal they do the moot court and these are some of the most boring activities imaginable they have student groups where you have to pay to get in this is all at columbia at least and it's like all right so you just finished undergrad and we have classmates that are starting businesses but what we're going to do all of these super smart capable people we're just gonna write on this review that's meaningless that no one really reads and we're gonna do it for the exercise of jurisprudence i guess but it's not gonna have any tangible effect on anything that's least that's my perspective right so i was like looking around and saying man this sucks these people suck this is boring to me it's not interesting it's fake it's phony everyone dresses the same there's no creativity i had two professors they ran this digital age clinic and those were some unique those, i think one of my professors mary is very ex- eccentric and a uh, woman that was passionate about law and technology And she kind of reminded me of the woman that drove the magic school bus, but she was fantastic. And then Conrad, also another great attorney interested in technology. He's an old school guy, but these guys were dabbling with technology. And uh, that was like some of the most interesting stuff I saw in law school leadership uh, and the lawyers, met some cool people there but a lot of law was like very boring, run of the mill. So when I got in this room with other engineers to build an application in my second year, I you know, kind of fell in heaven. I was like, man, I love being in a space where we can create things, where we can make stuff happen. And um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna save that story for another time, but I think that's pretty good for the first task of discipleship, which is kind of listening to the people around you, listening to your loved ones be in the service where you can to the people that you're close to so let me stop here